Welcome to the Urban Gardener podcast, where we help you turn up your gardening knowledge with tips and tricks for gardening in the city. I'm Josh Campbell, urban ag and natural resources educator, and I'm here with my friends. Hi, I'm Julia Laughlin. I'm the Oklahoma County Horticulture Educator. Hi, I'm Kate Reynolds. I'm the Urban Agriculture Extension Program Assistant. In this episode, we are going to jump right into the topic of planting coal crops, those great leafy be- vegetables that we enjoy. Um, so we're going to talk about when we plant coal crops uh, and leafy vegetables. We're going to talk about some of the benefits of those crops, how we care for them, and much, much more. Everyone loves a green spring salad from their garden, and it's easier to pull off than you might think. But starting at the wrong time or with the wrong plant varieties can definitely set you back for the season. So I think a good place to start, Julia, is what are coal crops exactly uh, and leafy vegetables and why do we talk about them together? Coal crops are this whole group of families in the brassicas that we call coal crops. And of all the years, you know, I've been teaching gardening and stuff. I have people come back and call them cold crops, like cold crops, but it's cold crops like coleslaw, <laughs> which is an old English word for a cabbage salad, right? Now you got me hungry. I love a good <laughs> coleslaw. <laughs> I do too. I like cabbage a lot too. But anyway, so the family of brassicas that's very closely related to each other includes cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. You like your Brussels sprouts, Josh? I do love Brussels like sprouts with bacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Kate's making a funny face <laughs> and also kale. And so that in that family, those, those plants, we just kind of group them together in that category of cold crops. And then within what we call the leafy vegetables, um, it's just another gardening term for plants that we eat the leaves of. Um, we eat the leaves of so many plants and thank goodness for leafy vegetables because it's sustenance for us. And eat, whether you're a meat eater or a vegetarian, we all eat leafy stuff and it's so good for us and it's so delicious. And so that leafy stuff normally gets grouped in with the cold crops because we plant them all the same time in the spring and in the fall to catch the spring or fall cool season. So that's probably the main reason that we kind of group them together. So one thing to be thinking about is when to plant these things and also how to plant them, whether you could have a seed or a transplant. So this is a really important trick or tip for new gardeners of the cold crops, right? Cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, um, Brussels sprouts, pretty much um, even kale, although you could do kale from seed, pretty much all of those you have to have a transplant. And that's true in the spring in Oklahoma or in the fall. I, I would tell you that if you were if you were a really expert gardener, you might be able to pull this off in the fall from direct sowing, but it's very, very tricky because of our weather. It is so much easier to have a transplant. And you can buy transplants really easy in the spring of coal crops. Generally, everybody's got them, but they're real hard to find in the fall. And you may still want to start your own seedlings of, of these, you know, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower family in the spring or in the fall because you have a hard time finding transplants. And what you want is to have a, a seed transplant system set up. We have a whole fact sheet on that as well on, you know, making your own, growing your own transplants. But a, a secret here or a tip is you want a four-week-old transplant of a cold crop. That's the ideal amount of time that it wants to go from a pot into the ground. And so, and that makes it different from other things. Like most other things, we want at least a six- or an eight-week-old transplant. But with cold crops, they do best if they're only four weeks. So you want 
to give them four weeks as a little baby in a pot before you put them outside. Almost everything else that we would talk about that are leafy greens are going to be direct sown. So you're just going to have to have the seed. You buy the seed, throw them out on the garden. It rains or you water and then you have, you know, leaf lettuces. You have spinach. You have turnip greens. You have beet greens. You have Swiss chard. Maybe if you like collards, mustards. I like mustards. I like mustards I do too. too. I like yeah. that tanginess. All of those, you can just put your seed out in the spring. So we're talking about all of this stuff going out in central Oklahoma. So if you're listening in another state, it wouldn't be the same. But in central and really all of Oklahoma, these things can all go in the garden between sometime very close to the end of February and the beginning of March all the way through the month of March. In getting into April, the only problem with getting into April, especially, you know, with the things that don't tolerate heat at all, is it's going to get too hot for them. So really the month of March is golden for for planting and, and sowing all these things. Although you could maybe get a little bit earlier of a start, but I would not go past April Fool's Day with cool season crops in the spring or not much past that. So And that's no joke, right? No joke. <laughs> But remember, one group, the coal crops, you're going to need transplants. The other group, you can do direct from seed. I'm going to add something to that, too, Josh's. If you wanted to do head lettuces like romaine or buttercrunch, which are, oh, I love buttercrunch lettuce. And there's so many new varieties. If you look in the seed catalogs, your heads will explode because the the beautiful colors of the foliage in these gorgeous butterhead lettuces – um, you can do those from seed, like think of a romaine head, it, it needs to get pretty big, mm-hmm. but if you also did those from transplant, it would you'd get a much bigger head in the spring or in the fall. And so if you had a, a setup with lights or a greenhouse to start your own transplants, you consider doing the head lettuces like romaine and buttercrunch, but otherwise um, you could try sowing them as seed with, when you do the rest of these leafy greens. And just something I would interject in there, you don't have to have even a, a greenhouse or a lot of space, if you've got an apartment or, you know, just a, a living room corner where you can set up some, some fluorescent lights. Yeah. And, and people do it all and, the time. Cause you just need a yep. few weeks un- to get those seeds germinated yep. into a small plant yep. so that you and, can and get those that out. That fact the sheet that we have is really helpful, but um, the main thing is you can use a fluorescent light, but if you can get your hands on a grow lamp and right. they're much Ultra, more readily available than they used be to be, have, used to have to kind of really look I, for one, but I now used they're to do everywhere. this in, in college. I didn't have anything and I didn't have any money to buy anything and I would just push them up against the nearest windowsill and I would get enough germination to, you know, to get them three to four weeks old to put outside and plant in yes. my backyard so the only only problem with that is they start stretching yes yeah yes so it's they better do. to put a light over them Absolutely. yeah yeah but a, a south-facing window a south-facing window might work but i think what i find with most people is they get frustrated because they get the stretching you know yeah and, and it put makes for weaker not as not as healthy yeah, plants in the not long quite run. as yeah. good of a transplant right. yeah very good Wow, Julia. So we we talked about a lot there. You gave us a lot of information. I think we have a really good handle on the what in terms of what coal crops are. Can we talk a little bit more about maybe your thoughts on oh, on the uh, on the win on the win? I can mention too that I you know I'm putting an emphasis on spring right here, but you can do all of this okay. in the fall. And I think that what most people miss, and and I'm talking about people who garden all the time including myself sometimes is we garden all spring and we garden all summer and then we tend to skip the fall season Mm -hmm. but the fall season for cool season vegetables like this is actually better than the spring season even yeah Um, broccoli loves it you'll get gigantic broccoli heads you'll get gigantic
organic cauliflower heads. It's really the only, I mean, it's a more prolonged, perfect temperature for them where what happens in an Oklahoma spring sometimes is it just gets hot too soon where when you're going in the fall, we like this past fall, I don't know if you remember, Josh, you know, we, the temperatures dropped and they came back up and it was so beautiful for weeks and weeks. So don't forget fall and the transplant time for those, again, you'll have to have a transplant of the cold crops and direct seed on the leafy stuff. That's going to start about around the 20th of August and up until middle of September. So And our um, garden planning guide does a really good job of breaking does. that down. That's, I love that fact sheet because it does give you specific dates for, for crops too. for fall yeah. and for spring planting. Yes. So great information. So Kate, what are some some things that come to mind or other questions we might be missing when it when it comes to thinking about planting our coal crops and leafy greens. Okay, so looking at maybe the basics of cultivation, what types of pests do these things get? Because right. my experience is fighting caterpillars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I would say the one that you're talking about is either cabbage looper or there's another one called the cabbage worm, but they're real, they look like cousins. If you saw them next to each other, you couldn't tell them apart. And they're that really kind of pretty little white butterfly that dots around you when you're out planting the garden. <laughs> and then it lays its eggs on the cold crops generally, and they hatch into those little worms that are voracious eaters and leave holes all over your cabbage and broccoli transplants that you just spent so much time growing inside <laughs> or spent all your money on buying. And then it happens kind of quick too. So the, the good thing about that is there's a very, very effective organic control that anyone can find anywhere. It's, a, it's at the box stores and everything. It's called Bacillus thuringiensis, which is a way BT. big word. So everyone calls it BT. BT, phone home. BT, phone home. <laughs> but um, so if you went into a garden center, this isn't going to happen if you walk into a box store, but if you went into a local garden center and you said, I've got cabbage worms, I need BT, they're going to hand you a powder or a liquid. If it's a small garden, powder's great because you don't need a big old bottle of the liquid. But if you're if you're doing any large scale growth, I would use the liquid because it's more economical. You also, know, you mix it, it'll go a lot farther. Also, if you use the powdered BTs, anytime you overhead irrigate or it, it rains, you yeah. kind of have to apply again, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, where the other would have a little more stain, the liquid formulations would have a little more stain power. What I, what I would recommend, Kate, is, because uh, you're right, it's a real problem. If you're good about scouting, like you go out every day after work to go look at your garden. Yay, it makes you feel good. <laughs> then um, I think you can scout for them. If not, and you want to be a little preventive because you're a very busy person and you don't get a lot of time to go out there and look around, you could do preventive when they reach, when they've been in the garden for about two weeks as a transplant because those, you know, those moths will smell them and come from miles away to lay their eggs it's there. amazing how quickly too that you can go from a beautiful head of cabbage or it whatever is. it is overnight to, it seems like oh, they yeah. just get yeah. the holes let me mention another pest too and that's really prevalent and not just on cold crops but on all the because so the so the cold the cabbage worm's not really normally going to go over and get on your leafy stuff unless they're desperate but they like the texture the flavor they evolved to eat cold crops but aphids on the other hand they're mm -hmm. going to jump ship they're going to be on both and aphids love cool weather so we see them in the spring and in the fall and even in cool oklahoma summers they just stay around i love to grow kale in mm -hmm. my garden because yeah. i just pop it you know pop off a little bit here and there and throw it in a smoothie or yeah. cook it in stir fry whatever it's just a very versatile easy to incorporate into things so i i 
you know, I'm getting a little bit of leafy greens in my diet and every year I have a, a aphid issue that I have yeah. to deal with when it comes to kale. Yeah, they're, they're real, real calm. They love that tender foliage. It's just perfect for them. They reproduce real quickly in cool temperatures. So it's bad. So let me give you a USDA approved home remedy that is also organic for aphids. And that is three tablespoons of dish soap, what, really, whatever you have underneath the sink. Ivory liquid works the best, but you can use other soaps. And three tablespoons of vegetable oil. Olive oil works best. That is not a pun against me being Italian. It really <laughs> does work best. I always make that joke, but it really does work best. It has a higher oleic acid concentration, so it kills aphids better. But three tablespoons of soap and oil in a gallon of water. And mix that up and spray it on your plants that have aphids be sure and wash your you know after you harvest wash your plants real good that little tiny diluted soap residue is not going to make you sick but you still want to wash real good so you don't have a soap residue on there but it will kill aphids I recommend spraying in the morning because the heat of the afternoon dries the concentration out and kills aphids rapidly when we think about frequency and timing of spraying like that what what are some I would recommend every five days every five days Mm -hmm. and in the morning if you can and the way that that works if if you've never heard it before but uh, I know Josh you know this but it just desiccates that soft-bodied insect and Kate knows this too but it it pulls the water out of their bodies Mm -hmm. and they probably die horribly I'm sorry I don't know (laughs) (laughs) but it kills them and then you can your crop survives and you can feed your family and it's totally organic Uh, it's totally considered an organic pest control so but those are the main two ones I think Kate because um they just show up where you know whenever we have a cool season garden both of them are there so Kate what are some other things that come to mind uh when it comes to to the crops we're talking about today. Yeah, I know we kind of have a short period to pull these off. Um, yeah. And and can you talk a little bit about why in terms of maybe bolting and buttoning? Yep, yep. yep. So um, these are cool season plants. Their ideal temperature where they want to grow is around 70 degrees, you know, and we have 70 degrees in the fall. We have 70 degrees in the spring. So what happens when they sense the higher temperatures Uh, It's a trigger for them to go ahead and bloom or to, you know, go into flowering mode. We have both bolting and buttoning, and they're both physiological. Bolting means that the plant goes to flower before it should. So instead of growing into this big old broccoli plant with a big old bud of a head, it goes into flower quickly quickly and, and you don't ever get the head. Where buttoning is a similar problem in that the plant early on gets a detection of high temperatures and it forms a small head and never grows. So both of them cause the plant to immaturely not be good. Like a little button, I guess. It does. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yep. I bet. Yeah, it makes a, a button and it's... Cute but frustrating, right? I, I, I've, <laughs> d- I've had this happen like where I planted a whole bunch of broccoli in the spring and they buttoned and, you know, you want to cry because you went to all that work. But it's it's a it's a weird physiological trigger, which I think what happened in that case was I was growing them in a greenhouse. I let it get too hot when they were young transplants and it triggered it but most of the time when you buy stuff at a garden center you're going to be fine because they maintain their temperatures low enough that it's not this was a home grown situation with me when that happened but it can happen even in regular production greenhouses it shouldn't discourage you should be okay but it's a weird phenomenon yeah so in terms of that I mean we've got to get these crops planted and and ready while the temperatures are cool so I read on our fact sheet that we really only recommend hybrid varieties of 
of coal crops specifically mm-hmm. to plant in Oklahoma. How does that help us with that time window? That's a really good question. And, and those hybrids that you see on that fact sheet have been tested in at least multiple, I say multiple locations, but at the research stations. And so they know that they're not going to bolt on you because they've been hybridized to have a quicker fruit set, if you will, or, or flower. So sometimes you will see a heirloom variety recommended for central Oklahoma from, at least from a farming standpoint, where people are doing cabbages or whatever, but they're heirlooms that are quick. Okay. Like um, the one that I'm thinking of is red, red rock mammoth. I think it's called red huh. rock. I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it's, it's actually an heirloom variety, but it's quick. So the hybrids have all been bred to come off in 60 days, Okay. 80 days where some of those old fashioned varieties come off at 120 days and it just gets too hot for our spring. It might work in California in the mountains, but it doesn't work here. <laughs> so that's another reason why we want probably to get what's been tested in the, you know, in the research stations here in Oklahoma. Well, we have covered a lot in our time today and I hope that it has gotten you excited for gardening. Go ahead, Julia. What? I just want to add one other thing about harvesting. It's, it's just that people might not know, but on greens, you can go in, like imagine spinach. I hope I min- mentioned spinach. I should have. It's my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> I might have forgot that one. It's my favorite one. Me and Popeye. So um, spinach is, and other greens, you can harvest by taking the leaves from the outside the crown. Yes. So let's say you get this little spinach crop, you go in and you clip the leaves from the outside. It'll keep regenerating. You go back out, clip enough for your your salad or whatever the next night from each plant or you can clear cut them that means you can cut them off and leave a stub and they'll regenerate the problem with that is they regenerate slower when you don't do the the cut and come again around the edge that's that's one of my favorite things to do in the garden we'll grow spinach or even some leaf lettuce and i'll send my my little boys out to like clip a few spinach leaves to throw in an omelet or whatever. And just using as you need is such Uh a nice thing for a small backyard garden. Yep. You don't have to clear harvest the whole crop at one time. And like what they'll do in small farming is they'll clear harvest, you know, they'll start on the edge of a bed and go around. By the time they get back to the beginning of that bed, it has redone that. But in your backyard garden, if you do this, you can eat it every night. Yeah. So fun. Fun, fun, and delicious. Great tips. There are so much, so much content in the fact sheets that we'll link in the show notes if you're interested in learning more. We hope that this has encouraged you uh, and not overwhelmed you. There's a lot of information, but it's information to support you and give you the success you need is there. So check out those fact sheets, and we hope that you have fun growing those coal crops and leafy greens in your garden. Until next time, we'll, we'll see you again, and thank you for listening.